Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support and I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this week's episode, we are joined by Jonas from the band Mew. I hope that you enjoy our interview. Well, welcome to Why Not Both. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming. It was it was really cool getting to see the stuff that you sent over to our wonderful producer. It looks like you've been up to a lot of different things. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I I, I I spread myself thin over a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What inspires you to do so and what I guess what's been kind of like the most compelling thing that you've been working on lately? Well, right now I'm working on a film score uh, for a documentary film, Ooh. Uh, which takes place in Zimbabwe. Wow. Uh, it's very exciting, um, and it's quite—it's kind of like crunch time now for me. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. working like 16 hours a day on recording the last bits of strings and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, it's it's quite that's that's been keeping me busy for the last like month or so, a couple oh, of months. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then of course we have the we, we just released recently the first single from my uh, project with Tobias Wittner from Blue Foundation. We call ourselves Takis, mm-hmm. and uh, so we're yeah we're we're setting up some some more songs for release, and that's very exciting. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's been a weird uh, year and a half because a lot of the plans that we had uh, for touring just kind of you know fell through because of COVID. So yeah. all of a sudden there was all this free time to do other stuff. So we, we thought we'd make the most of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And were you, it's so strange because when you were talking about like scoring the documentary, I was like, oh, did you get a chance to meet the people who made it? Or what was the process of that like? Because I'd assume that a lot of that would be remote. Like you'd be getting scenes and then scoring them, but usually you'd be in the same room with someone to get feedback and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it was there was a bit of a lockdown here uh, right around the time that that they hired me to do this. Uh, so the first initial meetings were via Zoom, mm-hmm. but actually it's it's uh, it's not so bad uh, here now. And um, so you know you can meet people. And I had my 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 first vaccination shot, getting the second one a couple of weeks from now. So. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's been it's been all right, you know. It's it, it's getting better. We're still having you know, still having uh, shows canceled though this year, even yeah. though they're still a bit bit way off. So it's a little bit different from country to country, I guess. You know. Yeah, I feel like in some ways, like everything's happening asynchronously, and yet we all 
we all have had some sort of flavor of it. I started calling it like lockdown hot potato, where you have to like pass the potato to someone else. And it's like, well, we're out of lockdown. Oh, wait, now you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I haven't been doing much traveling in, in the last year and a half. I, I usually travel a lot. So that's been a bit weird just being home, you know. Yeah. How did that yeah. change what you ended up writing? Because though we did have more, in a way we had more free time, but it, it was covered with this like patina of strangeness and anxiety. And also if you are used to being out and about and traveling, all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh no, I'm at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, you know, me and, and Toby have been talking about doing, we, we kind of work together a lot in the past, just on different things, but We've been talking for, for a few years about doing a, a real project together and and, and it, it happened that because of the lockdown I, um, I, I, I wanted to get like a studio that was sort of separate from everything so I rented a place which was very near his studio and then we were kind of neighbors for a while and then working on different things and then we sort of started sending ideas back and forth and, and then it became this Takis project so Think, you know, if if if, uh, if it hadn't been for COVID, we probably wouldn't have, we still wouldn't have found the time to do it. So so it, it's you know, you got to look at the on the bright side. But of course, it's it's a disaster on a global scale. But um, you know, you have to make the most of things. I agree. Like I was talking to someone about dealing with the idea that so much tragedy has happened but also that like humans are adaptable and yeah. in that tragedy it's like we do have to find uh we do have to find what a silver lining is in a way because otherwise why would you keep going <laughs> like, yeah that's very true that's <laughs> um, a big part of life you know yeah it's like acknowledging both and like in a way it did give you this gift of being able to collaborate together that it's so funny that you were like, yeah, I, I became their neighbor. And yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's kind of random almost. The way that, yeah. that happened to a lot of people I've been talking to this year that uh, they found themselves really almost like discovering things anew, either in their own environment or yeah. kind of like, I don't know, like stuck with people that they didn't expect to be stuck with, not in a bad way, but like they were pleasantly sure. surprised by what emerged when they... Sometimes <laughs> in a bad way, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw any couples during this period of... Uh, I work with I work with people in like counseling and whatnot and therapy and couples okay. during this time either like became like the most solid couples in the world or they like imploded it was really fascinating to watch <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's uh yeah I've, I've i've you know i've seen a lot of that too uh so yeah i guess it was it's kind of like a test on on the relationships you know a yeah. test of, of, the, of the core strength of a relationship and i guess what what was the collaboration like with your friend for Takis? Because I was like, okay, you had been planning on doing that for a while and then you did kind of get stuck together. So that is an interesting test of being like, well, I guess we're here. Yeah, well, I mean, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've known Toby, actually the first ever band that, that I was in uh, was called The Orange Dog and it was with Toby and, and a mm. bunch of other, some of the other kids who, who ended up being in Mew and uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we always uh, play together, you know, back and forth. And 
did remixes for each other, that kind of thing. And uh, so, and, and we're kind of similar in the way that we we do a lot of different things. He also he's also a photographer and and does a lot of uh, you know video uh, stuff and music videos mm -hmm. and things. So uh, you know we we kind of have that uh, you know in common mm -hmm. because we have that in common that we we work on several different aspects of of what it means to you know release music like visual content mm. and, and video stuff and things so so we can do a lot of it ourselves and uh you know we so far we've been self-releasing and um taking care of that he's a little more uh you know oriented with this sort of like figuring out how to set up releases and label stuff he's, he's had his mm -hmm. own label for a while oh. uh, so i'm not really that uh into that but uh, that's cool that he he can take care of that part you know that is good to have a bandmate who does that exactly <laughs> that's the i always think you should you should get a band like when you put your band together you should get a lawyer and an accountant <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, anyone to take care of all this stuff. And then if they can play music, it's just an added bonus. You know? <laughs> I was joking with one of my friends about that, where like sometimes being a musician, like by the time you actually get to make the music, you're like, oh, what a luxury. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah. Sometimes it's like that. Yeah, definitely. That's really funny. And when you're talking about the visuals, um, I was watching like the videos you had sent and I find especially now because of how we distribute music, the visuals are so important. Like I almost yeah. feel like either you have to be a visual artist yourself or have really good collaborative skills with visual artists in order to get people to listen to your music. True. And and I, I always found it very fascinating how how that melts together. Ever since I was a kid, I, I watched the uh, the Beatles, uh, you know, the Yellow Submarine cartoon. Have you ever seen mm -hmm. that? Yeah. And I, I watched that with my dad, and I I think that was the first time that I kind of realized that you you know you could do so many different things and put it all together, you know. And and yeah. I've been, you know, this was also really part of uh, the inspiration I had to, to start making visuals when we tour with Mew. I, I designed these animated mm -hmm. shows for our, our concerts. And um, it's just like, I mean, it's also kind of an excuse, you know, as a front uh, front guy, like the lead singer guy in a band, I, I, I thought maybe it'll take some of the attention away from me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and then I can just look at my shoes and <laughs> sing the mic, and then they can look at something exciting behind me. You know that. There you go. There you go. That was part of it as well. But I, I think it's it's a uh, it's a lot of fun to mix things up like that and 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 do different things with it. You know. Yeah, because some people want the visual to be themselves, like they want to be like you know, more of a performer, have that be the focus. But I think sure. it's equally important what you're saying is like, you know, you actually wanted the focus to be on like, hey, I made this really beautiful visual that accompanies yeah. that I'm going to be playing like 17 things and staring at my feet. So here, look at <laughs> look at what yeah. I made that matches the music. That's the performance. Yeah, that's um, much, much more exciting than looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> I joke about that sometimes too. I'm like, it, it can't be that exciting to watch me like try and figure out how to play like three synthesizers at the same time. Like that's not exciting. <laughs> like it's right. 
looking at me concentrating really hard. <laughs> what, what, what kind of synthesizers are you into? Um, it's funny. I'm right now I'm house sitting for a friend and I was like, what do I bring with me? And I brought uh, my Roland HS60, which is basically the Juno 106, but in a hardier case. Right. Um, yeah. And my Moog grandmother. Oh, wow. That's yeah. nice. Thanks. Yeah. But I got really into a Euro rack. You know, and, Ooh. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of addictive, you know. It's it's funny. Like I, I was thinking the other day, like when I was a kid, I was really into collecting Star Wars figurines, you know. Uh huh. And it was like the, you, that was the first thing that I collected, and and uh, and uh, this is this gives me the same kind of thrill, you know, when to buying a new <laughs> module. It's like wow, now I have this one, then I can do this, and you know, it's like it's the game becomes a little more fun every time, you know. Yes, and like. I was talking, who was I talking to? I was talking to someone about how like, it is almost like when you start getting into a certain lane of music, like gear collection becomes like, it is almost like when you were a kid, when you're like, I want to collect these cards or like, Ooh, look at these nice stickers, except the things that you collect make stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I agree. That's, it's so exciting. I was like, Oh my God, you're into modulars. I, I have so much respect for it modulars look magical to me like I'm just starting to use like the patch cables on the Moog Grandmother is kind of my right. like I'm using it as my like gateway drug to modulars yeah I, <laughs> I mean, that for a lot of people you know and and it is there there are you know companies starting to make less expensive stuff but but I guess the the, the problem with the Eurorack is that it, it's made in such small quantities that it, it's quite expensive to um, produce you know yeah yeah but, it, but it's a lot of fun and it's so you, you know you have so many happy accidents with it you know yes that's the for me at least like that's the magic of modular and even just like analog synthesis is occasionally you're just like I can aim for something but I don't always know exactly what's going to come out exactly yeah and then you're you're sort of the curator for like this is cool this sounds good i'm going to keep that and then put it together with this but you know you kind of choose what to keep and what not to keep you know yes yes does that does that ever happen when you're working on visual effects when like things just like weirdly surprise you oh yeah absolutely uh because the the way that i create animations it's a little bit like modular it's like batch oriented uh software where you can sort of put things together in a long string and, and then do a bunch of different things with it. And then all of a sudden it looks crazy, you know, and sometimes you program stuff and you don't, you don't really know what it's going to look like. You just write in the line of coding and then you play it. And it's like, it, it's not at all what I was trying to make, but it looks really <laughs> cool. So, so yeah, definitely. I love happy accidents. That's, that's a big, you know, I always thought like if you just have an idea and you you put it all together in your head, then all that's left to do is just to to sort of do it, you know, to sort of record it. And that's that's not as fun as as uh, having all these uh, surprises while yeah. you're recording, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like definitely having some sort of a framework in mind to hang it off of. But yeah. like, yeah, I I'm similar where I really like being like, all right, I'm going to aim for something, but I'm not going to aim for something so specific that I'm not going to pay attention to the fun things that accidentally happen along the way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes you have to be very focused if you have a deadline or something and, 
and then you you sort of you know I, I like the different sort of a it's like a different um, form of yeah what do you call what do you call it uh, it's a different discipline you know mm -hmm. to to do it that way and uh, you know both things are enjoyable I think that's also like I, I like doing a bunch of different things because you know you get to sort of live out different parts of it you know like you you mm. you know when i work on a film it's about making music that works with the scene it's not so much about expressing myself or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or sort of uh you know presenting this is the the most me that, right. that can be it's, it's more about sort of sort of like almost like a craftsmanship although it's still artistic mm. it's it's just a different discipline you know and that's really enjoyable as well yeah, like especially because you're you're really looking for what serves the scene, and so in a way you're kind of putting yourself to the side. Like you are using like all of your all of your skills and your intuition there, but it's like you're almost focusing on like, oh well, how do I channel what's best for this visual representation? Which sounds almost like the inverse of what you were doing when you created visuals for your music. Right. Yeah. Very true. That's interesting. How did you get into film scoring? Um, I'd done a little bit of stuff over the years, mostly like for short films and things. Uh, and then it, you know, it's kind of just grew from there. And then, you know, a director that I'd, I'd done a short movie for asked me to do, you know, something for a longer thing. And then, uh, there was a, a, a really big documentary series in, in Scandinavia about a, a boat that, that, uh, caught on fire or you, you know you, they don't really know if it, it was an arsonist who did it or again oh. but a lot of people died it was like in 1994 uh, a tv series about that oh my god and it was really an, an intense eight months of work and uh but i find it really enjoyable and it's 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 nice somehow to, to be able to do things from home sometimes you know that yeah because I'm, I'm quite used to just traveling a lot and you know, sleeping on tour buses and things. And this this feels a little more grown up in a way. <laughs> I feel more like a grown up person just um, working in my home office or like. Studio. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You're not the first musician I've talked to about that this year. That, I mean, one we all got the experience of. Oh, surprise! I'm at home forever. Um, but also this transition of kind of like touring to uh, either being in the studio at home or scoring things at home. And like, there's almost this balance, like, and it's so strange. I don't think it's tied to a particular age range necessarily, mm -hmm. but I did notice that like, I even felt the same way where like, when I was like 20, I was just like, oh my God, I want to play like a million shows. And now I'm just like, I would like to sit under a tree and, you know, perform this flute score. And it's not that like, I never want to play shows again. I, you know, this experience actually made me want to play a show for the first time in like years, which I was like, Oh, surprise. I, I actually feel like carrying my gear around. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've been gone for it for a while, then it, yeah yeah and, uh, i think also it's like it's human nature when when you tour a lot you you start sort of bitching about it a little bit and, and uh -huh. sort of like oh this is so hard and 
you know, I miss home and, and, and things. And then when, when you, I, cause I, my, the last show I played, at least with Mew was like in November 18. So oh, wow. A long time ago, you know? Wow. Because I, I had, I was determined that in uh, 2019, I wanted to have a break from the band and, and do some mm -hmm. other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we were, we were supposed to really just tour a lot in 2020. And then of course that all fell away uh like so surprise it, yeah Not surprise <laughs> so it's been an unintentionally long break you know yeah well and you guys i mean you were on tour a ton then Prior yeah to well yeah we were uh yeah i mean yeah it, it, it's been well i mean we usually do like maybe a hundred shows uh in a year or something like that you know that's like a third of the year. <laughs> yeah, and it actually it becomes it becomes more because there's a lot of travel days as well, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but actually, uh, in eighteen we we didn't play that many shows. It was just it was like an anniversary tour uh, mm. where we played like one of our albums uh, oh. from start to finish. So it, we didn't do like a a whole tour like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. But usually we do. Yeah. What was it like getting to, I guess, in a way, like right from a different place? Because if you had been really like leading the lifestyle of like touring and whatnot, I don't know, did yeah. it affect you at all being in a stationary place while you were working on this record? On the Takis record, you mean? Yeah. The, um, well, actually, the last Mew album we did, we also did in Copenhagen. Oh. And, and it was quite, it was very comfortable, but I think that we all missed a little bit of the adventure of, of, of going somewhere else to record, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that the next time we'll probably, I, I'd like to go somewhere uh, that you wouldn't necessarily connect with uh, recording music so much, you know, like some, mm -hmm. just some, someplace exotic would be fun, you know? That's like uh, Oliver Arnolds. Ah, yeah, 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 of course. He's from Reykjavik and he spent, a good portion of this year, I believe in Indonesia. Oh. So when I interviewed him, it was just really funny because <laughs> we ended up, he's like, okay, he's like, you can publish the interview, like, as long as you answer one question correctly. And I was like, me, I have to answer the question correctly. And he's like, yes, he's just like, what are your feelings on licorice? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, are, what are your feelings on licorice? I, what's really funny is I hate American licorice. I think it's disgusting, but okay. I, I love Icelandic licorice and I've now tried like Swedish licorice and like, I'm like kind of into it. Okay. But like, yeah, it was really funny. He's like, okay, you passed. And so he actually sent me a bag of like some of my favorite, like Icelandic licorice snacks, which was so sweet. Um, okay. Well, I, I have to give you some licorice background here, uh, some yes. information which is like in Iceland, their big thing is combining uh, licorice with chocolate. Yes. This is a yeah. very unusual thing. And, and none of the other Nordic countries do that. It's, yes. it's very, very bizarre. Yeah. I'm, not quite, I'm not quite sure I like it actually, but I kind of like it. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm ambivalent about it, you know? But the really interesting licorice is the, the from Finland. Oh. Which is the really strong salty kind, you know? I like and, uh, I like the salty bits. Yes, you 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 know we we, we used to make that in in physics class. Uh, you take uh, hydrochloric acid and uh, and ammonium 
and then you uh, you sort of you put it together, and then you with the electrolysis uh, you you add power to it, and it separates, or it combines them obviously, and then it becomes something called we call it salmiac. I don't know what the English term is for it, Whoa. but it's like it's like a white powder, and this is what they use for the licorice to make it salty. And it's actually really bad for you. It it, it make, gives you high blood pressure. <laughs> it's really unhealthy to eat, but uh, but it's it's somehow legal, uh, or it's not like a it's it's not against uh, regulations. So, uh, but if you eat a lot of it, you will feel very ill. You know, yeah. but they're they're the masters of that in Finland. They have the saltiest wow. It's Too salty even for me. I mean, I guess in like in moderation, if it's just like a special treat, then it would be okay. But I could imagine, yeah, if you ate that much salt, that would raise yeah. your blood pressure. I, I once like brought uh, our Japanese label as a present to two different things. Uh, one is like gamel dance, which is like a Danish liqueur. It's not, it's not so different from Jägermeister, but it's a little mm -hmm. more medis medicine -y medicinal tasting. Yeah. You know, it's like it tastes like old medicine uh -huh. it's kind of <laughs> enjoyable but it's, it's also really bad but uh we brought that and they could stay you know they kind of drank that in in out of politeness but yeah. then i also i also brought this salty licorice and they just could not they couldn't uh, they had to spit it up it's just too much for them and, <laughs> and they were kind of embarrassed about it but you know i just i kind of wanted them to because they they've been very nice to us and taken us out and they tried some, some oh my god food, you know yeah that is hilarious that is i love like <laughs> cultural snack exchanges yeah because <laughs> like, i yeah. sent um next time i see ollie i'll, I'll bring some over because we were talking about our favorite snacks but one of my other friends in Reykjavik, I sent him um, spiced dried mango he'd never had it oh. where like yeah whereas here it's really spiced like, yeah like okay they they do have some things in in nordic countries that i that i haven't got myself to actually try one of them is surströmling which is basically rotten fish oh yeah like lutefisk i've never tried it because yeah, I, can't, yeah, yeah. I can't get near it like my no. body just goes no yeah absolutely and uh they have something in japan called natto have you heard of this is that the is that the like fermented the soybeans where it's like the yeah. soybean thing? Fermented bean curd, yeah. It's yeah. very very smelly. It's like it's wow. kind of similar. It's like you you smell it and and your body goes like nope, that's not. <laughs> don't put that in your in me. That, you know, but uh, it's but like, it's supposedly very healthy to eat it because it's it's got all these healthy bacteria in it or something for your stomach. I don't know. Yeah, for, I, yeah. Yeah, but I can't do it. <laughs> Food chemistry is so interesting. When you're describing what you did in chemistry class, I was like, why was my chemistry class not that interesting? Wow. Um, <laughs> maybe I would have, you know, <laughs> so funny. I was like, maybe I would have gotten an A instead of a B plus. Whenever I wasn't interested in a class, I, I would just like get enough that I would get like a B plus or an A minus. But if I was really interested, that's that's when I would really, you know, pull out all the stops. Right. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had an interesting physics uh, also in uh, in high school in physics class. I, I once I, I looked at a, a piece of cheese through a microscope, <laughs> and and that actually made me not ever want to eat cheese again. You know, <laughs> because that you have it's just a sea of living things. It's disgusting. <laughs> you know? 
but uh, you know, you, I'd, at least you should you should melt it first, and at least they're dead. You know, they're not crawling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that their secret vendetta to make you vegan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so funny. Hmm. I'm just imagining like teachers plotting being like, yes, we need to help with climate change and therefore we need to consume fewer animal products. How will we get this message across? That wasn't even on our radar back then, like the climate change thing. It was we I think at that point people were still talking about acid rain. You know, that was the, the I big do concern. remember that. I remember yeah. the, I remember the acid rain phase. And did you it's interesting thinking about like as we're now witnessing like strange cataclysmic events like COVID yeah. and climate and whatnot, like thinking back, at least in my childhood, like I thought that recycling, like recycling was so hyped that I thought that recycling was like the way. Was that the yeah. same like where you were or? Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's gotten pretty big here. Sweden are doing amazingly. There's like I think only one percent of their energy is not bio uh, fuel. I, I don't know. It, they're, they're doing tremendously well. Wow. Uh, De Denmark is a little behind, but but you know we're kind of getting there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I I do think actually I I think recycling is extremely important. Um, and, and I do recycle, but uh, it's getting more and more sort of you have your, you have to sort your your trash yeah. a lot more now, yes. which is great. You know, I, I don't mind doing that. But um, but yeah, it's interesting how like kind of that macrocosm of how do we how do we be in this world as obviously uh, people kind of messed up a whole bunch. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> she says with dramatic understatement. Um, and it's like, how do we be in this world and then be artists? Like, because thinking about even that you were touring so much and now you're stationary for a while, it's like, yeah. I wonder how people will rethink touring. Now people are almost, I've seen this like frenzy of shows being scheduled. And I'm like, is that, is that the way? Like, is that the way we're supposed to go? Is that like? <laughs> well, I, I can, I can, I actually, you know, the, the, the sort of group of people here in Denmark that I feel the most sorry for, I mean, obviously on a global scale, there are countries that are just devastated by this. And, and we are sort of nowhere near that here. But the, the group of people I do feel kind of bad for are, are the really young people because they wow. kind of missed like, almost two years of their sort of youth you know yeah. being social with each other and not being able to go to school and i mean that that, that must have really sucked you know for them uh so i feel bad for them but um, yeah that's you know. um that's interesting that you bring that up because that is like especially when people are going to school or when people are just launching launching into the world and then it's like nope no launching for you yeah for me on a personal level, the most uh, kind of frustrating thing has been, you know, with the cancel tour, obviously, uh, has been a disappointment. But then also this, like, well, these shows are happening. And then, you know, getting an offer to do a film score and saying, oh, no, I, I can't. I'm going on tour. And then the tour didn't happen. You know, that kind of thing oh. has been really uh, a bummer sometimes, you know. Yeah. yeah. Those occupy such different parts of... Basically, it would be like such different parts of you in general of like the commitment to a film score versus tour. And you can't do both of those at the same time. 
No, no, no. I mean, we <laughs> we tried once to to write uh, songs on tour. I mean, we did a little bit actually, uh, but it's very difficult for us to to write on tour. You know, it's 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 not something that we do uh, in general. You know, it's yeah. kind of like when you when you're on tour, you're on tour, and there's a lot of you know you gotta you have in stores and you have interviews and sound checks and and then you know. But you know, I actually do enjoy being on tour. Then that I get a lot of time to read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because at, when I'm at home, I never have time to read. So so you know, that's kind of it's like a luxury. Just ah, oh, mm-hmm. I, I have a day off in Idaho. I'm gonna just <laughs> read a novel and and uh, you know, maybe hang out at the mall a little bit. You know, that kind of thing. Oh. It's fun. You know. Yeah, like the luxury. The luxury of time. That's so yeah. funny that you said, oh, I don't have time to read. There's, I'm just looking at like four books that I have like right in my immediate environment that I'm I'm almost, well, I'm in various places of each of them. But yeah. I have to like consciously give myself that time and remind myself that it's okay to have that time in a way. Like I, I put it on my, I have like a to-do list that's like my whiteboard and I will put it on my on my board like read books to remind myself just as valuable to like, you know, be like answering emails and editing podcasts and whatever it is I'm doing, but that it's also important to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to take like half an hour and, and read a book and see how that, if I want to, I I might take another half an hour. I might take a whole hour. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a luxury. I mean, I always have these, these pangs of guilt if I'm at home and I, I want to sit out on my balcony and read a book or something, I was like, nah, I really should. I should be looking at that. I should be answering this email. I should this and that, you know, yeah. but there's something about being on tour where you're like, you're just here and, and there's nothing you can do really. And so you just, you, whatever you want to do, you can just do it. You know, it's yeah. a little bit like when you get a gift card for a shop <laughs> and you, and you sort of like, okay, I would never spend this money on this. But I have to spend I have to spend this gift card, so I'll just get this stuff that I don't really need, and it's kind of fun, you know. Oh, that's you so funny! I mean? It gives yeah. you the gift card of time. Exactly, yeah, it's a gift card of time. Oh my gosh, that's a wonderful yeah. way of thinking and about you, it. And you have to spend it today. You know? Right, it expires. Otherwise, it expires tomorrow. Expire. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my gosh. What a wonderful way to think about time in general. It's like you get this gift card of time and when does it, it expires today. So you have yeah. to use, so use it, it now. It's like be here now, all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Only, only slightly more, uh, not, not as profound. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's, there's profundity in humor. Like, I think that's a oh, lot. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh gosh. When you were talking about also even the subjects of the documentaries, I like that my brain went, oh, humor, ah, the seriousness of the things that you're scoring. Um, Yeah. What was, I guess, kind of what was it like at like staying present for the emotions of the documentary? And then also because you did get the chance to actually make this music as Takis, what was it like Mm -hmm. sorting through those emotions? Because essentially, like, I mean, the pandemic did kind of give you the gift card of a lot of time. Yeah. And I think like me and Toby, we talked about, you know, also because we we realized that we hadn't really talked about so much. What is this music really about, you know? 
and we knew that we were we would probably be asked about it in interviews so we'd probably better figure out what it was about and <laughs> and i th and i think we both had the feeling that this this music that we've been creating is kind of like it's a little bit like uh in, inspired by some of the stuff that happened the state of emergency that that COVID was that you take a look at what what have i really been doing all these things that i took for granted like just mm -hmm. you know being with people going out and and what have I really been 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 using? What have what have I been doing with my life, basically? Right. You know, and and uh, and so that 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 kind of inspires. And a lot of the lyrics, I think, are sort of just happen subconsciously are about that, you know, and about yeah. sort of, you know, kind of re re experiencing things in a new light, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's important, and hopefully. There, there has been something to be learned from this, you know. Um, I hope that people won't just go back to their usual selves when, when they can. Yeah, I hope that there's something that we have learned as a, as a people, you know, from this. I feel like, I feel like we're starting to learn that perhaps. Like, I don't know mm. what's socially happening where you are, but I have noticed and I, I LA will probably experience another version of probably not full lockdown because now there's like this huge, there's this growing divide really between like vaccinated and unvaccinated people, oh, right. which yeah. is really, to me, it's very sad because vaccinations are not just readily available, but at this point, I mean, people are like, there were like promotions, like get your vaccination, come to the shop and get a free donut. Like people are literally like trying to like bribe people to get vaccinated at this point. Cause we're like, yeah. it's free, come get the thing. Um, yeah, and so well, I think I think I think two things. I think people should realize that getting vaccinated isn't just about themselves. It's yeah. not just about you. It's about what you can do to other people. And yeah. also, I kind of I'm really starting to feel like we we live in in a post knowledge society. You know, like yes, because it's like anyone everyone has opinions on things that they don't they're not qualified to have <laughs> of course you know it's just like you know sometimes I, I sit at dinner parties and and I listen to people like I, I was at a dinner party and this woman was saying like oh vaccinations are terrible today uh, nowadays because they put heavy metals in them and they, back in, in in the old days they, they made them naturally but now they put heavy metals in them it's like no the opposite the opposite <laughs> They used to put terrarium in vaccines as a as a means to preserve them, yes. just like they they used to put lead in paint and 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 still put lead in some forms of gasoline. Yeah, but but they stopped doing that. You you're reversing it. You're saying and and I had this huge argument with her, and it's like, and I'm asking, what are your sources? What, how do you yes. what, how do you propose to know these things? And she's like, well, I I. I've, I, I read between the lines and she's like, it's just, oh my God, people are so arrogant. You know, I don't know. It's just, it really, I, I get that. That is one of the things that makes me the most angry is just the arrogance of, of people who have no knowledge and, yeah. and, and pretend to do, you know, it's just, oh my God. It's, it's, I, I feel you on this so hard. Yeah. There was, there was a TikTok I saw that was like, when someone says they're going to do your own research and it's like, oh, are you going to get 180,000 subjects and perform a double blind study? Yeah. Like, it's like, no, I don't think you are. So just review the literature that's there if you really feel like doing some research and make your decision. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, 
you know, don't, don't watch someone ranting on YouTube about, and also surprise metals are found in nature. Like that is not unnatural. It's unwise to use it and potentially hazardous, but not unnatural. No. (laughs) So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And it's like, and you know, nature will also give you cancer. So not everything nature gives you is, is, you know, it's just people, people, people kind of, you know, treat nature as, as if it's some benign entity that that's, that has that cares about us you know like you know what i mean nature's chaotic it doesn't nature nature is indifferent you know nature is indifferent and that doesn't mean that it's not splendid and wonderful but it's just it's it's not it's not looking out for you you no uh, oh my god yeah Yeah. that's and so it's leading at least here like people have been joking about it being kind of like the roaring 20s right now um because we do have such a high vaccination rate so many things open um they did do away with the mask mandate though like i i think that that is unwise frankly given what we know about um how things mutate um that's why i'm like yeah we're probably gonna have some sort of like either mask mandate or some sort of whatever i don't think we'll go into full lockdown again but like something will have to be done about like the variations uh, that are popping up. But it's so interesting because there was this huge pressure on people to feel like things are quote back to normal. And the thing is one, they're totally not, there is no back to normal Two, Mm. There's no acknowledgement of like the trauma that people suffered throughout Mm. all this. And three, uh, what we had before kind of wasn't working so well. So why, why would we want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. True. There's this, there's this ambivalence that I'm seeing in people, at least here, and that's why I was curious that it was like there, where it's like in some ways people want to put on the appearance of playing along, but mm. also there are other people who have no interest in that and are like, no, this is wrong. Like, please stop saying that this is all normal or that we shouldn't feel anxious or that we shouldn't acknowledge what happened. That's actually like really inhumane and yeah. they, want to, they want to change things. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like uh, you shouldn't tell, you know, if, if you if you have a child and, and your child is upset about something, you shouldn't say it's nothing to be upset about because right. it, it, it she, the child is already upset. You, right. It's not going to reset itself by you saying, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. You know? Right. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that surprisingly works with 0% of people. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm curious what will happen there because I... I have seen at least with my immediate circle of people that there have been changes. Like I think that people are more cognizant of people's boundaries, which is really cool. People are rethinking um, how they want to go forward. Even like, I mean, it's so strange thinking about releasing music right now and, and shows and all those things. Cause it's like, okay, of course we're still going to make art, but it's like, how do we responsibly share that art and travel to people and take care of each other while making art. It's like, I feel like people have kind of redefined even what that is. And right now it's in, it's in its kind of mushy stage. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, I, you know, part of me is afraid that, that things will just, people has been so sort of uh, kind of missing out on things that, that they're going to be desperate for to go back to normal you know and then yeah. just kind of but uh yeah and, and in a way who can blame you know I, I i feel the same way in some ways you know but um but yeah 
it's been it's been quite an ordeal uh, for for everyone, I think, and then obviously for some much more than others. But uh, yeah. it's just a weird. It's definitely something that we'll remember. You know, we'll think back on in thirty years. Like, do you remember the time? It's like it's almost like, well, not quite like a war, but yeah. you know, uh, something kind of really life-altering. You know. Well, and it's strange to think about. Like, I don't know if you encountered this, but I had not learned about uh, the effects of the Spanish flu and like the different waves of it and all of that. And like basically the parallels to what's going on now of like it was after, I mean, we, we didn't just have a world war. We just have constant wars. Um, that's depressing. Yeah. But it was, you know, learning about how people then behaved afterwards, despite like the rise of things like fascism and totalitarianism because they were so, like you said, like desperate to return to like normal and return to joy and things like that. But yeah. we, I don't know about your history class. Like I learned that there was like, and it was like, and then there was influenza, but like, it was like a footnote. And mm. like, I didn't realize how, you know, it then affected people's psychology then the following decade. And then like, people didn't talk about it. And so I'm so curious now that we have this, like, the way that we uh, share information is so different than a century ago. Yeah. That it's like, we can't globally forget something anymore. Like you can't be essentially gaslit into thinking that didn't happen. Um, and so I'm wondering like what the effects will be that are very different than for instance, that pandemic incident. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the the way that information is spread now is it, you know, both, it has its its upside, which is that that it reaches everywhere. But but the huge downside is that there's so much disinformation or yes. misinformation out there as well. Yes. And yes. you know, every every week or so, there's some person, a friend of mine, on Facebook or whatever, who who I you know I consider an Italian person who will who will post this article saying that you know. HPV vaccines cause autism or something, which right. is uh, which is provably wrong and was was a, a f started by a fraudulent uh, study and all yeah. that. And then even to this day, it's like people still because they read it somewhere and then they yeah. just oh it must be true, you know. Right. It's kind of yeah. And then and what really strikes like all the conspiracy theorists is like they 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 you know they read stuff on Reddit. And they will believe that, but they will just immediately be uh, suspicious of anything that's that's in the accredited news right. um, forum, which is like, wh why? How? <laughs> okay, well then, just don't believe anything. Why? Why would you then believe this weird kind of sketchy website? Right. With the with the, you know, I don't know. It's just it seems so weird. It's like you you pick and choose what to believe in. You know. Yeah. It's so. It's fascinating living in this time because I remember as a kid thinking like, wow, like I, I really liked learning about like history and mythology and whatnot. And I was like, imagine living through these like epic, like world altering times. And now I'm like, whoops, <laughs> like would have preferred otherwise. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I was like, couldn't it have been like, I don't know, boring year, like 1832. I don't know. Seemed kind of banal. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, oh, true. <laughs> like oh well guess i had to live through historic times um yeah but that we're well, we, we get to live longer now which i think is an, it's an upside too 
That is an upside. It'll be very interesting seeing what happens. I like that you called it like post-knowledge because I have heard people referring to it as like post-truth, mm. things like that, which then affect where where we get our information from and also then how, how we synthesize that and put it out into the world, whether it's through like how we talk to our friends or what art we make or what we choose to do. Yeah. Um, where in a way it can be freeing where you can be like, yeah, I do like seven things at the same time. Or it can be like, yeah, I believe this conspiracy theory that like lizard people are taking over the world that I read. Yeah, that I'll believe, that I'll believe. But yeah. I don't think that's, that, you know, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's become very choose your own adventure. Absolutely. Oh, you remember those books? Oh my God. I loved those books and I would read them out of order without like actually having it predicated on which page to choose. I don't know why I'm that chaotic, but I would totally do that. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> I, the, the first, the problem, the first one I got was, you know, was translated into Danish. It was like the wizard at the mountain of fire or something like that. Oh, wow. And uh, it, it had a mistake in it. So you actually couldn't, there was no way to complete it. It's like, there was, oh, a, no. was like a, a wrong, they got something wrong, you know, so. Um, you got like <laughs> the Escher painting of Choose Your Own Adventure. Yes. Oh, yes. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like hang on. I, I was just, I just turned right. Why am I, yeah. well, you know. I was on these stairs. I was still on these stairs. Why? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. That's fascinating. And like thinking about in a way, like it it can lead to obviously really tragic things like people believing like misinformation. But yeah. having all of these roots open, like I mean, it's even the premise of the podcast, like it can lead people to following what used to be what one would define as like a really unconventional life path or for, mm, um, yeah. but now that's, it's almost, it's possible because especially as we've seen in the last year, so many of our structures are kind of meaningless. Yeah. Right. And How do you mean exactly? How, how are they meaningless? Like the whole, you have to go into an office thing. Uh, oh, yeah. No right. one has to actually do that. Um, sure. <laughs> like, that's a bit scary though as well like imagine just you know we'll, be, we'll all become shut-ins you know the same thing with like nobody shops in shops anymore it's not all online you never have to leave your apartment that's kind of depressing as well you know you know I, I was yeah like if you if you never leave it's depressing but if you leave with purpose then it's exciting yeah okay true <laughs> but, I don't know. I, I think if I worked in an office, I, I, I would prefer that to just being home all day. Like just, you know, you have lunch with your colleagues and you talk around the coffee machine, that kind of thing. I don't know. See, that's the fun bit for sure. Like my friends during this time, even like right before COVID, what we would do is since most of us aren't like necessarily like working in offices or things like that, we would get together to work like once or twice a week. Yeah, uh, to get exactly what you're talking about, because that I guess that to me is like the purpose behind it, where it's like you don't need to be in an office all the time, but you you do want to be in a group some of the time because of exactly sure. what you're talking about that camaraderie and that sense of structure and like, yeah, all that stuff or like the structure of when you were talking about like having a, having the gift card of time for reading. It's like, why are we made to think that we don't have that time? Yeah, it's weird. Like, I, I do. I also get this. You know, I, I love when it rains in the summer. Like, it's been, it's raining a lot here in Copenhagen. It's been really hot, and now it's raining. 
and there's something nice about it you know it's it's kind of moody and and you know there's an atmosphere but also I, I when I sit and work I don't feel like oh my god I'm missing out on all the fun stuff outside you know because mm -hmm. there is because it's raining and then then you just don't think about it yeah whereas if it's if it's sunny you think of all your friends who are like getting together for a beer in the park or whatever mm -hmm. and you're, just, you're just sitting here slaving away yep. you know yeah but, but really it doesn't there's no difference is there you, it just, because you're not you're not going to be part of it either way so uh, right <laughs> a friend of mine so. tweeted something that i loved uh because like in english there's like fomo like the fear of missing out and she yeah. she tweeted jomo which she called the joy of missing out oh right i like that yeah. i was like oh my god that's amazing because of exactly what you're talking about where like sometimes we almost need like permission to not do a million things yeah exactly and uh, there's also this i think that people are afraid of of boredom maybe or like it feel it seems to me like people now if you know if you have a meal you have to to watch a tv series at the same time right and be on your phone so you're not really following the episode because you're also kind of checking your instagram whatever like it's just like you have to have everything at once all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and if you if you're waiting for a train somewhere and you run out of juice on your phone, it's like <laughs> terrible. It's like what are you gonna? What are you actually gonna do? You know, it's it's like being in prison or something. You know. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't know. It's just like we we make ourselves so um, addicted to to this, you know. And yeah. I really, and I and it doesn't make us happy, you know. Which no. is that's. The, stupid part of it you know it's like you know yeah i'm curious what will happen with our relationship with technology because um like the reason why i said earlier like that having visuals married to music is how people discover things now is because of exactly what you're talking about like since yeah people are kind of glued to their phone and so many of the discovery places for music are, are visual like instagram or tiktok or whatever it's like yeah, you might hear a song in the background of a TikTok, but most people are not going to be so driven that they go and find that song. Some people are. Um, yeah. But like on Insta, for instance, if someone, if you're scrolling and something catches your eye, that's going to make you then listen to it, um, which to me is really fascinating. Right. Um, and so it's like, yes, yeah. visuals are so important right now. I don't think they always will be to music, but I think it's really interesting that they are currently. I guess like what's on the horizon for you? Like you're finishing this score, you have this new music coming out. Yeah. Like what, it's kind of like you're- well, I, we, I, Yeah, I have like a very short vacation and then we go into rehearsals with the Mew and then uh, have a few shows, but less and less, it seems like every day uh, there's another one that's canceled. So yeah. I don't know. It's uh, I don't know how, it's probably a very short tour in the end, but, uh, and, and kind of weirdly spread out, but right. it'd be fun to come out and play again. You know, I, I've missed that. So, so that's good. Yeah. Um, yes. And then, yeah, I'm really excited to, uh, to put out more tacky songs. I think that yeah. some, it's a very versatile, bunch of music we've made uh, and, and quite different from anything that either of us have, have done before even though you can you know you can probably trace some of it back to our our respective bands but um but yeah it's it's exciting to to put out something new like that 
I'm literally looking forward to like when you sent over the videos, I was just like, Ooh, I dig this. And I was just like, where was this shot? Like it looked like the video that Laura originally sent me, it was shot in so many unique places. Like I was like, where is that home? And then they're dancing on a roadside and I was like, where is this? <laughs> oh, is that, is that the Takis video you mean? Yeah. Yeah. This was actually done by, uh, by, uh, you know, a, a guy called, um, He's a photographer, Hugo A. Lopez uh, from Guadalajara. Mm -hmm. And I, I met him, we were doing a show with Mew, uh, I think it was in 18, and he came backstage and he was supposed to take some portraits of us, but we didn't have time. And uh, so I just met him and we talked for a while and he showed me some of the stuff he'd done. He's a cool, very young guy. And, uh, and then I, I got to know this girl who lives, who lives in Guadalajara and uh, and then I, I just thought, why, you know, it'd be fun to bring them together and, and uh, yeah. ask them if they could do a video for us. So they they did that. And then Toby did some of the visual effects and, and the editing. Mm -hmm. I did a little, little bit of, I didn't actually work that much on that video, but uh, I think it turned out really great. I love it. Yeah. I'm excited to see more. Yeah. Well, the next one's going to be very different. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I feel like that's kind of the experience that you were talking about, that you got to finally come together and, and collaborate in this way that, you know, there weren't really a lot of rules to it. And that's exciting because then, I don't know, I like albums that are almost like mixtapes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, well, I like it when, when it, it, it kind of goes all over the place, but you still feel like it's the same band. You know, that's the best, you know, like, yes. I just, I like it when people experiment, basically. Yeah. I do too. Like, mm -hmm. I like, I guess that's why in my brain it was a mixtape where it's like, because with mixtapes, someone's telling you a story. Like, it is a cohesive thing. Um, yeah. Not like every song necessarily. Like, there are some albums that, I mean, I do love the converse. Like, for instance, listening to like Cigarettes After Sex, where like every one of their songs, you're like, this is a Cigarettes After Sex song. Sure. Um, and and the same thing with the Beach House. Who, I, yes. I love that band. You know, yes. But it's <laughs> And, and it's so cool because it's like, you know, these are the elements that we use and then we just write really, really good songs. And yes. that's, that's it, you know, that, that, that's beautiful. I and then that. I, yes. Oh my God. That's so funny. That was the other band that like springs to mind when, when I think of bands that way. Um, yeah. And then there are other bands where you're just like, whoa, that went like a lot of different directions and I liked all of them and like yeah. where they're going like or even bands that really change it up like album to album like I think of like the way that like Bjork's career has evolved and like sure I yeah. love I loved all of her albums for different reasons and that to yeah. me is really cool and so it's like I love seeing when someone's just like and I even respect when someone tries something that I'm not super duper into because I'm like I yeah. you tried it I think that's how it should be like there, there's certain bands where they, they have albums that I really like a lot and then they come out with album and it's just not for me, but I, I that doesn't make me want to not buy the next one because I know yeah. that there'll be something totally different again, you know, uh, in a way. Yes. So, uh, yeah. And so when someone can pull that off in like a collection of songs, I'm like, oh. Yeah, true. Oh, I have I have a song you have to check out. Uh, it's this this girl uh, from Pennsylvania has she's been writing me on Instagram since she was just sending me like weird like little clay figurines she made. Wow. When she was she was really young and 
I never really, I, I you know, I saw her pictures, but I, I didn't really respond like, you know, as I was lazy or something. But, but then uh, uh, recently she sent me her, like a song and a video mm -hmm. she made for it. And then I was like, oh, okay, let me listen to this song. And it was, I love this song. It's really oh. good. I'll say, and she's she's and she does, you know, she she produces everything herself, and her her brother plays the drums, and uh, it's it, yeah, this song called "Say" by Lilito, her name is. Lilito, I would love to hear that. Yeah, it's uh, it's very charming. Oh. And and, and it's a really good good song, I think. So yeah, <laughs> hopefully she'll she'll make a whole album soon. I'm hoping. Yes, I was like um better known artist you there is like that power dynamic um that mm. you don't want to like abuse your power and you also don't want to like have someone you know then only appeal to you because of that but then it's like when you actually see that person evolve and you're on more equal footing then like you can have these like beautiful collaborations yeah yeah definitely i've well, done i've done quite a few collaborations recently like more than i than i used to it's been fun you know like a, singing on other people's songs and stuff it's been yeah. uh, it's been a good experience is that similar i guess like if you have kind of like your own stuff and then you have like the film stuff i guess like does collaboration kind of like fall in the middle where you're kind of like balancing like your emotional experience and then the emotional experience of someone else yeah that's true yeah definitely cool. and, and it, yeah it's it, it's a nice kind of form of communication with the other artist and then you know and, oh this is your song and you, you're respectful with it and, and and you you send something over and hope they like it you know <laughs> well and that's it's interesting when sending little like snippets back and forth especially like during this situation when you can't always be in the same room because yeah. of, it's like creating a collage but like blindfolded <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah. Does this land? <laughs> yeah, I, I was part of a project once called Telefono or Telefono or something. And it was basically this thing where one artist had to record something and send it to another. And there were no rules what you could do. You could like play it in reverse and then overdub on it and or mm -hmm. record it really loud, distorted guitars, or you couldn't even hear, or you know, you could there's just any and then they they put it on a vinyl like I think they they put like every step and then the, the final is oh my like God. a mess of things but uh, but kind of enjoyable in, in That's on really some fun. level yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit like the drawing where you oh you 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 can't see what I drew you just have yes to, yeah oh my God I used to love doing those yeah oh I'm using the name of telephone. you should you should do it again. Well, thank you for being so generous with your time. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you. Likewise. I think we, we kind of went everywhere. <laughs> thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. 
Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. Thank you.